Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Hello and welcome to On the Farm Pitcher List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I am your host, Lamar Gibson. And I am your host, Jake Mache. And today it's going to be a breakup podcast. Today we have about a month uh, of baseball going into the books um, as we are finishing up April. So we decided to look at uh, a few different players that we're dumping. So these are a mix of um, some of the young and the old. Uh, we have uh, pitchers and hitters. So it's more of a general Dynasty Pod uh, episode today, um, not necessarily prospect specific, but um, as we jump into this week in baseball, a lot of prospect action going on there. Um, first and foremost, we had Logan Allen and uh, Tanner Bybee, not not Bibby, Bybee. Everybody was confused on the pronunciation. Tanner Bybee um, making their debuts for Cleveland. Um with Logan Allen first, Jake, uh, what were your thoughts with Allen? I have some thoughts about uh, Bybee because I was able to watch his start a little bit more closely. Um, but with Logan Allen, what what did you think about uh, what we saw from him? Yeah, I think uh, I think Logan Allen looked good, and he was one one that we didn't anticipate the most. I think you know, like going in, you know, to the off season, there was the Guardians had like there are three big pitching prospects, you know, it was Espino and Williams and Bybee and Allen was just kind of there and didn't get a lot of hype, a lot of talk. It was always those three guys. And then this year it kind of, the way that they're going to debut is likely going to be opposite of what everyone would have ranked them going into the off season. Right. It'll probably be like Allen, Bybee, Williams, Espino. And like everyone I think would have ranked them the opposite. Um, and so, Logan Allen was actually the first of that group to make it to AAA last season. And he had the most experience in AAA coming in this year. So it was like logical to think like, okay, like he'll probably get the opportunity first, but like uh, still, I don't think many people thought he had uh, too high of a ceiling. Uh, then he just came out this year and shoved in AAA. Did absolutely um, like really, really well in, in AAA, earned the call and then had a really solid debut. Uh, he generated 17 whiffs in 86 pitches and, uh, you know, controlled the ball well, uh, played well overall. And his, you know, his spot looks, I think, very secure in the rotation. Um, you know, BB or Bybee called up a couple days later, but um, I think they'll probably, if, if someone comes back, if maybe Savali comes back or if they need to um, drop someone out, I think it'll probably be Bybee just because of like, the pecking order that they have established, you know, they went with like Gaddis and Battenfield first. It seems like they have a very like experience first approach to kind of getting these guys in so far. And yeah. so I think Curry, Allen Curry was coming out of the bullpen and kind of doing right. some spot starting there. Yeah. Right. So I think Allen's pretty secure in, in where he's at uh, right now. But um, so, yeah, I, I, I like what I saw from, from Allen um, pulling up his, 
thing right now. So let's see here. So yeah, 17 whiffs, 33% CSW. Uh, didn't get a lot of chases. Overall, 22% chase rate, but his sweeper got a 71% chase rate. So love to see that, um, that he's got a pretty effective sweeper there from the left side. And fun fact with Logan Allen, he is a lefty. And, you know, we know that the Guardians rotation definitely needs a lefty in there more than likely. Um, But he throws a splitter, which is interesting for a left-handed pitcher because uh, there is only one starting pitcher who regularly throws a splitter from the left side this season, and that is uh, Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, funny enough, Fangraphs does classify Shane McClanahan's changeup as a splitter. I personally will put my foot down on that. I, I know I probably don't have the sway that Fangraphs does, but mm-hmm. to me, that's a changeup. But anyway, I, Kikuchi is kind of like the legit big splitter from the left side that's in the league, and like there's no one else, you know. Right. Um, right. So I think it's a different look. Uh, he hides the ball well. His delivery, I. Did notice it looks a little maybe too much like Patrick Corbin for my own liking, but it's I don't think he's anywhere near that like performance level. So, um, so yeah, I, I think he'll be solid going forward. Maybe he settles in on like a as like a three or a four in the Guardians rotation long term, and um, he should he should be solid. So I uh, I think um it's interesting you mentioned the sort of ordering of the pitching prospects and and where Allen kind of um fit in because. If you roll back the clock to uh, 2021, uh, there was no Gavin Williams really on the radar like that. There was no um, uh, Bybee on the radio uh, on the radar like that, right? So um, you really had uh, Espino was still you know known. He was obviously um, a couple of levels down, but it really was Logan Allen because um, once Cleveland got the what we call the bad logan allen right so there's logan t allen who we're talking about and then there's another logan allen and cleveland had both of them at one time um fun fact the orioles traded for logan allen it was not the good logan allen obviously (laughs) um which i thought was very fascinating but um he actually was kind of more top of the charts then and then once williams starts developing bobby starts developing they kind of fly past him a little bit uh but we see to your point he comes back around a lot of experience like you said, performs well at AAA and gets the call first. Uh, you know, the rich get richer when it comes to Cleveland because you still got Will Dion, um, and, and there's a handful of others that are still in the sort of lower to to um, like double A level of um, of the minors that they still have yet to make their debut. So, um, I liked seeing Allen. What I wanted to say about Bybee was the thing that stuck out to me now yes you know you can perhaps discount and start a little bit because going against colorado you know On not the road. team um yeah not not in uh not in colorado either right so you're in cleveland got you know a little bit better uh uh running by uh park factor there but i was watching the start and the vertical movement on his pitches was something that i I don't want to say I've never seen before, but it just, it really like stuck stuck out. out. Yeah, It was just, everything was moving and it was moving down like hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, no matter like what the pitch type was, like fastball is moving down for the most part. He he had somewhere he elevated it on, on purpose, but for the most part, like he was able to get movement down. Obviously uh, both breaking balls, like moving down and hard um, against both righties and lefties as well. So that just kind of stuck out to me. Um, as being like 
really um, notable, not just visually, but then just kind of thinking about what that does. If if that's the type of picture you can be overall, like even when you don't have your best stuff necessarily, if you can still get that sort of movement, what that does for you to still get um, weak contact, even if you aren't getting swings and misses. So like I'm even looking at his, his swing and strike in that game is 12.1%, right? So it's not anything incredible. But and and his end zone contact is eighty one point five. Uh, his O swing it was twelve. It was almost thirty percent. It was twenty nine point eight. Right, so you can round that up. So like he can be around the zone, but even if you are around the zone and they're making contact, if everything is that like uh, inclined, like going down, then you know how is how um, difficult is it going to be for hitters to try to get something solid and elevated to all those pitches. Um, so that's just kind of really stuck out to me. Obviously, he had a, a fabulous line. Um, let me actually pull it back up. I was looking elsewhere, but was it five? Yeah, five and two-thirds, uh, six hits, one earned. Uh, did have a hit batter, no walks, eight strikeouts. Um, so, yeah, the eight strikeouts, I mean, he, it, all of them just looked like major league ready, like just very dominant. Um, and yeah, you know, again, Colorado, sure, but still major league hitters all the same. Uh, so yeah, Richard get richer in Cleveland. Now they got Bybee. Now they got Allen still waiting for McKenzie to come back from injury. Um, and who else is injured? Um, Savali. Savali is injured. So yeah, you know, just keep, keep going. And, and Gavin Williams is waiting in the wings. So it's just like, just keep right. rolling them out. Yeah. He's been rolling. fantastic too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bybee, one thing I noticed in his start that is that he was very confident with his slider. Mm-hmm. He threw it ahead in the count, behind in the count. And it wasn't just like a get me over, oh, oh, steal a strike down the middle. Mm-hmm. He was able to throw it down like one, two or down two to one and then like paint it at the bottom of the zone. You know, he had that kind of confidence. And then I go and look at his his savant page and he had a 50 percent CSW on that slider. Uh, talk about a weapon, especially because he threw it 44% of the time with a 50% CSW. That is going to be insane if he could do that anywhere close to that level right. consistently. So right. that's huge. So as we move from promotions with Allen and Bybee, now we move to demotions or, or optioning down, I guess is a, a less harsh way of saying it. So Jordan Walker um, being optioned to AAA. So you uh, appreciate this. You put in his major league line so far and the outline so he has 78 plate appearances so he still hasn't cracked the, the 100 plate appearance mark yet um but 274 uh is the average 718 is the ops two home runs um eight runs scored 11 rbi a couple of stolen bases uh league average for wrc plus literally at 100 so there's kind of a couple of different perspectives on this you had some people that are like i told you he's not ready you guys are all hyped. He still has a lot of, you know, issues in his, uh, you know, hitting profile that has to get solved and, and they got exploited and there you go. And that's why he shouldn't have been going so high in drafts, especially in, in redraft leagues, et cetera. And then you have another perspective that says like, why are they optioning them down when he's not actually been that bad offensively? And clearly the Cardinals are a mess. Now, um, when we, started this podcast and started this season we were saying that you know cardinals offense looked really good their pitching is going to catch up to them they got to do something there we we're talking about matt libertor etc now it's kind of looking like both sides right like the pitching still has not gotten better 
and the hitting is starting to take multiple steps back. Uh, so you had a perspective that just said, hey, he like just let him learn on the job because what what do you have that's going to be a better you know outcome that's going to replace him uh, from an offensive standpoint? And you had another perspective that's there that says, yeah, but defensively he was kind of woeful. He's obviously still not going to play his natural position of third because you have Arenado there, and he was looking kind of woeful in um, the outfield. So that needs to be improved. Uh, so those are kind of like the major narratives that I've been seeing and hearing, and there might be more opinions, I'm sure. Uh, my outlook before I kick it to you, Jake, is I am a big Jordan Walker fan, um, as we kind of talked about from the outset. I'm kind of on the side of like, let them play through it. There are certain players that I was seeing, and this is another guy I was seeing, uh, somebody had posted the Savant page for Oscar Colas. And it was like a lot of, a lot of blue, right? Like really, really looking bad. Um, and then a few people had chimed in like, yeah, you know, they, you know, had him rated low for hit tool, like for, you know, 44 hit tool kind of new. And I was like, ah, it's kind of expected to me. Like he was never a guy that I thought was going to be, Hey, plug him in. And um, immediately he was going to take off. Like he seems like a guy. And I think Walker is similar in the fact of, I think they're guys that might finish the year stronger than they started. They're, to me, guys that are going to need to kind of log the 200, 300 plate appearances before you start to see, like, the rolling zone. Like, you know, all those sort of changes and, and things over time. And there are guys, like, there are guys that you can immediately dump them in and they just get it and it clicks. Um, and from all different types, right? The highly rated guys we haven't heard of and for some reason you plug them in and it clicks and then there's all sorts in between um but given the cardinals kind of just overall situation I, yeah i just you, you option them down i guess okay improve his defense which i always question that as an excuse because unless you have like a ron washington type this is kind of i was having this conversation about another prospect with justin henry malloy and people have been kind of downgrading his uh, defense as well. And my thing is, like, unless you have, like, a Ron Washington type in your farm system, like, I don't know how many more opportunities at a position is going to make them a better defender. Like, if they're just a bad defender, then you, then you have to figure out that situation. But, like, that kind of should – they're internal to you in the case of Jordan Walker. Like, you should have kind of already anticipated that. And in the case of Malloy, like you traded for him, so you kind of already should have known that his defense maybe wasn't his calling card. So you kind of should have had a contingency plan. So I don't really get – maybe there's just something that I'm missing about working on defense. How many more drills are you going to give them, I guess, at AAA that they're not going right. to get at the MLB level just from a practice standpoint, right? Right, because like he's played 200 games in their organization now. Right, like they they've had the time to yeah, it's work like, with that. Yeah, yeah you know, so you kind of knew okay, maybe this wasn't going to be his strongest position. And again, I even think when when people talk about like oh he's a bad defender, like to me, I would give an example. I was watching the Angels outfield last, and actually it's a, it's a guy that's going to come up on your list. I was watching the Angels game yesterday for Detmers, and. You know, Mike Trout is future Hall of Famer. He doesn't come up with a ball. You know, okay, that happens. But then I saw another one where I don't know what route Taylor Ward was taking on this ball. And it's, it's kind of fascinating because 
the same type of ball was hit to Christian Yelich and he was able to make the catch. And it's like Christian Yelich essentially is out there with a bad back almost consistently <laughs> or like a, a, a sometimey back. But yeah. he was able to at least understand like the route to take and left to get to this hard hit ball. And Wardrew was just like, and you can see on Detmer's face, like Detmer's reaction was like, dude, like you got to come up with, you got to help me out here. You got to come up with that catch. Um, So I say all that to say, like when it comes to outfield defense, you you kind of have to have a, a, I would imagine, let me not say what, what major league teams have to do. I would imagine that, like you said, 200 games in the pocket of, in your organization, all sorts of eyeball reports along with whatever data you're tracking you should have kind of an idea of like, if it doesn't work here, then we can do this. Um, hitting wise, is he like banging down doors? No, but he definitely needs more uh, plate appearances. That's just, you just need to see more reps at the major league level. He's already league average. What could another 100, 200 plate appearances do to push that league average up as far as WRC plus? And again, like your team is not as good as it should be right now. Like the Pirates are leading your division, which I mean, kudos to the Pirates, but like that probably still like shouldn't really be the case. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot more to unpack when it comes to the Cardinals, but the Jordan Walker optioning, you know, I, I'm hoping that it's not for a long period of time personally. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. I mean, and looking at like who stayed instead of him, like I just looked at uh, Alec Burleson weighted runs created plus of 92. Yeah. And I can't imagine he's much better in the outfield than Jordan Walker. Um, but I guess, you know, maybe Burleson has the seniority. I, I don't know. Like he's lefty a couple bat. years older. He made it there. He's a lefty bat. Yeah. Lefty bat. Um, kinda... That was and... my argument with, that was my argument with Malloy was like, they, they, uh, optioned or not optioned up but they promoted or selected the contract though because he's been a major leaguer um Andy Abanez and I'm like is Andy Abanez really that much of a better defender because we know he's not that much of a better hitter like we know what he is a major league hitter but he's a switch hitter so it's like well yeah but like I mean Walker can hit righties he's been hitting righties his whole life everyone's a righty in the minor leagues and and then whatever um, so, and like, like they are, they also have, they have Newbar, they have Gorman, they have Donovan, they have Edmund, they have Carlson yeah. all hit from the left. So why yeah. do they need, you know, why do they need Burleson? I don't know. But like, you know, so there's that, there's like, um, who knows what they're going to end up doing with Carlson because it feels like they've just like held on to him at every possibility yeah. they've yeah. had to move him or trade him. And yeah. he's just kind of like playing every other day and not like not even Really in the nine so. hole, I think. Yeah. The time I saw the lineup, it was like he's batting ninth now. It's just like, yeah. The, it's I, like that I, just I, seems like a dead spot on yeah. the roster. So, I, yeah, every, and everyone's underperforming, as, as, except for Nolan Gorman. I mean, who would have thought that? Yeah. But um, Arenado is having a, a kind of off year, some some weird looking at bats. Um, Carson is one that I might like star if because I, I think we anticipated before the season, a lot of people saying, oh, New Bar, you know, is coming off hot with WBC. Um, and how he finished the year in majors last year. And then we were anticipating Jordan Walker coming. And a lot of people were like, oh, Carson, obviously, you know, odd man out and, you know, expect the trade, et cetera. And obviously that hasn't happened yet. But if a trade does does happen, I mean, he's still young enough that I could see he he's like the perfect change of scenery type candidate where it's just like he goes to a, a, another team. There's some weird vibes that we're getting from St. Louis with their manager. It's like, Send him to another team, let him bat a little bit higher in the order, and you can see him taking off and be like, oh, that's the Dylan Carlson that we've been waiting for. So, like, keep that in mind about Carlson. Like, if he does get traded, 
um, depending on who he gets traded to, he could he could absolutely just start thumping just yeah. because he's out of St. Louis. Now. <laughs> yeah, best case scenario, he's like a it's like a Brandon March situation. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's I, yeah, I don't think that's out of the realm either. He's twenty four. Yeah, twenty four and a half. Yeah. Still a young man. He's still mm-hmm. a young man. Um, so so that's kind of Walker and the Cardinals as a whole. We had a couple of other player um, or position player promotions. Try saying that three times fast. Uh, we had Joey Ortiz uh, from my Baltimore Orioles and Michael Bush from the Dodgers. Um, Ortiz, so Ortiz is, I think, sort of interesting only because I was having this conversation as well about like, you know, okay, what what is his value? And definitely was my opinion is, you know, if you're in a shallow league, he's not necessarily somebody you got to run after. Um, deeper leagues, you, you know, it's probably worth having a, a look at least because of his um, versatility, being able to play, you know, two middle infield positions they have him starting at second now, but his natural position is short. So he, depending on your league and, and platform, he might already have that eligibility there. Should be getting second base eligibility soon because he's played like the first three games that they've uh, uh, had since he's been promoted. So, you know, if you have a low threshold, he should be qualifying soon. Um and so I thought it was interesting because I was saying like, ah, it's kind of similar to Ramon Urias on the Orioles as far as his player profile of a um, little bit of pop that's developed kind of later for for Ortiz. Orioles kind of already had that if you look back in his Mexican League um, days. But a little bit of pop, um, more, you know, a mix of he's probably like 12 to 15 homer guy, um, handful of doubles, no major speed. But again, now with the, you know, stolen base increase, he could probably swipe five just on on the strength of the new rules alone. Um, like I said, having, having the ability to play different positions, so he's going to have defensive value and playing playing them well, as we were talking about defense. So he's going to have defensive value to, to get a handful more at-bats than um, maybe somebody else. And I think OBP-wise, like, he's shown, you know, pretty decent patience. So there's nothing there in the profile that like jumps out. It's like, oh, this is his carrying tool. Like you want him because he's super additive in this space. But I like guys like that um, that have his sort of profile. I had Ortiz or have Ortiz in one of my dynasty leagues Um, simply because, like I said, when you're in a deep league, any sort of non-negative to me is like that's almost positive by like default. Anything that you know is not going to be wow, this guy's really, like, sucking away my OBP, or he's really, um, if you're in a points league, obviously, like, he's really going to penalize you because of strikeouts or whatever the case might be. Then I'm like, hey, everything is kind of all additive. It's all going to be positive. And so far, I mean, you know, he hasn't set the world on fire, but he's got a handful of RBIs. He's looked good at the plate. Um, And like I said, defensively, to have him at second, uh, I I could see him sitting against – Maybe some righties coming up just because I think they're still trying to mix and match that infield up. Uh, looks like he's kind of taken over for Adam Frazier, which I think is a good call. Um, yeah, especially against lefties because they've yeah. actually so since Ortiz got the call up, they've only faced lefties. Yeah, and yeah. so he's been in the lineup every day. So, yeah. But we have yet to see if that happens against against exactly. righty. Exactly. Um, so the just to, to give the rundown from the Triple uh, A level because I know you got some of the stats here as well. So one twenty four. WRC plus and 72 uh, AAA plate appearances this season. Um, 
and and you know exactly what we talked about here like not a lot of game power this season uh last year was really the year where he kind of blossomed into a little bit more of a, a power hitter at um between the high a and double a levels um showing up with double digit home runs uh total uh between both levels for the season uh for the first time in his career and that's when you were kind of seeing more in the farm system kind of talk about like no this is real like Ortiz really has has kind of grown, done some things, made some changes where um, he's getting into that power a little bit more. Again, at the major league level, I think he can be double digits, but it's, it's going to be in kind of like that teens, that low teens area. So Ortiz, like I said, deeper league, I would take a look. Shallow league, you can wait. If he starts to really catch fire, obviously, you know, grab him as, as soon as you can. Um, Michael Bush, who's been an interesting prospect to watch because power has always been there it's always been a matter of can he cut down his strikeouts and the last season or so um he seemed to have been able to make those improvements so uh 143 wrc plus and 102 plate appearances uh this season at triple a power is still showing up but yeah that uh approach has uh definitely improved let me actually grab uh, I have it here. It it is a, yeah, it's an 18.6 strikeout rate and a 17.6 walk rate. And his, in do you have what it was? Do you have what, what it was previously? Yeah, last year, last year it was 26% strikeout rate and 9.9% walk rate in AAA. So in a something full, full going season. on there. Yeah. 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 So something going on there in the positive sense. Um, with Bush, I didn't see uh, what he's done so far since being promoted. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. Three games, 11 plate appearances, hasn't hit a homer yet. Struck out 45.5% of the time so far, but it's 11 plate appearances. So, um, yeah, it looks like he has one hit in 10 at bats. So, yeah. So I would say Bush, what do you think, Jake? Bush kind of in a similar spot as Ortiz. Uh, I know positionality, he, they've kind of, his positionality has been kind of more like, uh, almost like Brendan Donovan and like we put you at a lot of different positions because you're not really good at any of them. <laughs> so again, coming back to that defensive conversation, like he's not really that good at any of them, but because of that, he's kind of played some third, he's played some first, I think in the minors and some second. Um, so kind of like Max Muncie-ish as well, as far as like moving him around and trying to figure out where he can stick. Right, and it's and funny know, you say that because the only games that he has played so far since being promoted is when Max Muncy was out of the lineup yeah. for a paternal leave. There you go. Yeah, well, we're not going to talk about the Dodgers and their their paternal leave. That's that's a whole nother. That's a different podcast. Redacted. That's a, yeah, it's a different podcast. No, um, so yeah, I mean, we know that the Dodgers like their their positionally versatile um guys. Anyway, they they have definitely in the last you know seven or so years really taken a hard pivot into um looking at those guys as is but um i think yeah with bush from a fantasy standpoint i would bucket him very similar to ortiz as far as if you're in a shallow league redraft league you can kind of wait and see if he you know where he's going to fit in as far as in the lineup because obviously with guys being out uh everyday guys being out for the dodgers you got to wait and see like are they going to keep him up or as guys come back uh, does he get option back down? And then also seeing at the plate, you know, does he start to kind of catch fire? Is it going to be, you know, a, a little bit more of a um, uh, of a high bar for him to clear uh, again with those strikeouts maybe creeping back up uh, at the major league level? But if you're in a deep league, 
you know, if he's not already on somebody's team, then he's somebody that might be good to to stash and have on the roster just, you know, just to have um, as things shake out. So, um, yeah. continue. Could break well for him. Yeah. He, he, there's, I think there'll be a he, – if he plays well enough, I think he could work his way into the lineup the way it's at right now because they have David Peralta who's playing – who's been playing a lot against righties. Uh, Miguel Vargas has been struggling, so maybe – um, you can play a couple of games at second base, or they move Miguel Vargas to the outfield to take over for uh, Peralta or Hayward. Uh, like, there's a lot of guys in this lineup that are getting at bats that are not too that I'm not too confident in. You know, yeah. Hayward, Peralta, Austin yeah. Barnes is I think mostly when Kershaw pitches, but um, like Will like Will Smith isn't always going to DH like he did Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think there's some spots for him. Yeah, and and we talked about kind of the Dodgers makeup of like is is this really the Dodgers lineup that's going to roll out um, to try to win you know yet another NL West uh, pennant and and you know go make another World Series run and um, having those gaps and and those holes I think some of it is going to be you know filling them internally obviously but you never count them out to try to you know bucket or bundle a bunch of guys and, and sending them off to another team to, to make a big splash. And uh, I think with Bush, yeah, Bush even more so moving off the Ortiz bit, Bush even more so I think is a guy to like keep an eye on because he's also been in the, um, I guess, spotlight or, or, or kind of been high up on the Dodgers prospect list for some time. So I think, cause I think he's what, 23, 24, ish i'm going to 25 yeah so he, he this is kind of one of those sort of we, we kind of need to know what we have for real at the major league level with bush so um that could also give him some more bats than a younger prospect might get because of that as well um one last piece about the dodger before we move on is uh um we're hearing or reading as we're recording today on sunday uh, that Gavin Stone should be getting promoted from AAA to the majors, uh, anticipating him making a start this upcoming Wednesday. So yet another promotion, another pitching promotion uh, that seems to be on its way. So we'll obviously keep our eyes um, peeled for that and keeping an eye on that uh, potential start uh, if that is official and, and, and happens. Um, moving uh quickly on uh, as we're going a little bit longer but there was a lot of stuff happening this week uh mexico city series has uh, kicked off yesterday padres and giants it started a little slow we were like oh we were promised like fireworks and craziness and then there was craziness um it was i, I count I, I watched it for a little bit before i changed to a couple other games and just in the early part i already counted like two weird plays there was the comeback off of Manaya that went straight between third and home mm-hmm. and like two he stayed in the game like yeah gamed it out right yeah. uh Manai gamed it out after taking one off the knee like directly off the knee it looked like um and then there was another weird play what was the other weird play i, I can't even remember what it was um but there were a couple weird plays before we got yeah. to the fireworks and then the fireworks happened 11 yeah. home runs uh on saturday it is a um stadium that is 2000 feet above the elevation of course field uh, and you have here, but it's the size of Great American Ballpark. <laughs> so, I mean, this is really like, you know, MLB the show, like Franken, Franken Stadium, you know, putting putting it together. How can I how can I get all my players to like Barry Bonds <laughs> one level uh, of output? Um, oh, so, yeah, I mean, you, the question that you have here, Jake, is, you know, how fun it, would it be to have 
an expansion team there and how realistic. I think I saw some people griping. I know in my own home league, kind of that chat and, and some other servers that I'm in um, on Discord, I saw some griping about like, this kind of sucks from a fantasy standpoint because it's kind of unfair. And like, also from like a pitching standpoint, like if you're a pitcher and then you got to go here and then pitch, like that's kind of unfair. And I seen pushback that said, hey, we've been doing it at cores. Like what's the difference really? Um, right. Like so I think I, they would change the stadium. I don't think they would keep it as is if they actually had an expansion team there. They would have to move the fences back. Um, well, one thing I saw, I, I want to give credit to Alex Chase about this. Okay. Um, and if Alex, you didn't say this, then I'm taking credit away. Um, and I'm sorry for the person that did say this, uh, but that the humidor that they're using is not, yeah, is not even at the Coors Field like no, settings. I think it was. I think it was. I, I might have been Alex Chase, but I think I saw like uh, Meredith Wills or Willis uh, talking about it. She was the one that d- did the uh, the study with the baseballs. Oh. Uh, that there were three different baseballs last yeah. year. I know she was talking about it because she was at the game. Uh, okay. And then Susan Slussler was also talking about it because I guess the Giants were a little incensed about that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. And so that's that's what I had read to that um, Giants were a little perturbed and that the settings were kind of at like standard. I guess they were at like default instead of like course fit. <laughs> like again, if you think about like video game mode, they didn't they didn't set the sliders anywhere. They just left them on. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, to your second question that you have here, like how realistic I think is going to happen. I think this is the prep work, quite honestly. Like I think this series is kind of the, the prep work of it. I think especially coming off of World Baseball Classic and, and seeing Team Mexico and, and the um, atmosphere that mm-hmm. uh, the, the fans of Team Mexico brought, um, I think that was also part of the prep work. And so they came and, and showed themselves, you know, quite well, obviously. Uh, and, and kudos to them, like as they should. Had a great team, and it was really fun, you know, to to see those players. Uh, a Rosarina in of himself, obviously, <laughs> like just uh, alone uh, to perform. But um, I think it's going to happen, and I think this is that sort of legwork to see, like, okay, what is acceptable and what's not. To your point, mm-hmm. you know, what what would need to be constructed from uh, on the field standpoint, and I'm sure there's a bunch of um, monitoring about you know infrastructurally like what the traffic like and parking and the costs and all that sort of stuff yeah but uh, yeah it's i think far it's far away gonna, it's far away man I, yeah. it's far away but after the last episode i went and looked at a globe and um it is pretty far down there man it's like i thought it was a little bit more central and a little bit more north but it's it's a trek did you say that you looked at a globe like you didn't did, go to yes. Google Maps, you just pulled out like an old school. Oh, I got one on my shelf right behind oh, me. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was like, okay, Bill Nye, like we just went and just looked at a globe. <laughs> like you're Magellan. You're just like, how can I transfer? <laughs> Lamar, there's something you need to know about me. I love maps. Oh, okay. I, I I am crazy about maps. Uh, what is that? What is that? Uh, what is that? What's the term for like map makers? What's the official term? I should know it. people are yelling at me i'm sorry (laughs) people are yelling and i hate to be this person because i'm when i listen to podcasts i'm that person that's like how do you not know this word or this term and now i'm becoming the podcast host that doesn't know that word sorry anyways um so yeah i I do think it's realistic uh i think that uh i mean i think it would be pretty fun um but yeah there's obviously some some things to iron out as far as uh you know, the playability of that right. team on the field. But yeah, yeah I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think, I hope it does. I, 
uh don't know if it'll happen in like the next expansion the one that they're kind of planning for like 2028 or so i think um like yeah as much as i would like it to happen but i I think they have a good amount of like cities in the united states that are like wanting it as well like Mm -hmm. like charlotte and montreal and portland and like nashville and all these places i think it would be like i think it would be tough for mlb to like choose one of those and then go to like i think they should i would love to see them but i mean that's the other thing too is like all these leagues are looking at how do you expand the overall footprint and in order to do that you have to be global right you have to be international and so it's hard to be like okay we're going to glow the the global footprint of uh major league baseball by sending them to charlotte like no offense to folks in charlotte i've heard it's a nice town i haven't been able to go yet but i've heard it's very nice nice city um but it's not really the same thing as being able to say like hey we have the la dodgers playing against the mexico city whatever or the new york yankees traveling all the way to mexico city to play against whatever their team would be like that is a different type of pull than sending them to portland or charlotte or nashville absolutely so i think that that kind of weighs you know that kind of tips the scales a little bit um, yeah, and like they have a team in in Denver. Like they can they can move the fences back. They can adjust the humidor. Yeah, uh, maybe start like with that first, <laughs> right? Uh, and I saw someone say I forgot who it was, so apologies. But someone posted like the the screenshot of like the top five leaders in ground ball percentage this year, and it was like if I was a Mexico City team, this would be my starting lineup, their mm. starting rotation. Mm. But it's funny because the Rockies. I looked it up. The Rockies have the set since in the last like five or six seasons since twenty eighteen. The Rockies have the second highest ground ball percentage. Like, okay, yeah, that checks. Good stuff. They also have the second highest ERA. Yeah. So there's only so much you could do. Yeah, it really is. I mean, also, like, because a lot of those ground ball pitchers are, like, not very good pitchers overall. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> that also has to play a part in it. Like, you need to have actual, like, right. talent to get guys out. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, nobody, yeah, cores, they have yet to crack the code, right? And it's like, if you mm-hmm. can't crack the code there, why would you go from I'll, I'll keep with my video game analogy like why would you turn it from like hard to like super difficult like all going all mad hall of fame difficulty. yeah exactly and what center field like if they do expand it to let's say it's like yeah exactly field dimensions are at, at this because of this elevation exactly Mexico City, we need to make it bigger exactly. Who on god's green earth is going to play center it's field run, yeah it's running around <laughs> i mean look perfect example manny machado hit a double yeah, and yeah, he yeah, yeah. like he needed oxygen right there on the field yeah. <laughs> he was like whoo this is a lot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a really good point, too. Like, how, who are the players that you're going to have that are going to be able to have the the training and the stamina to, to play 81 games in Mexico City um, at that altitude, regardless of how what the park size is, let alone if you made it bigger. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think maybe baseball will pull the trigger on it regardless, though. But, yeah, we'll see. I'd love to um, see it. We went super long. There was a lot to talk about here as far as this week. Um, so we're going to take a break here, come back. Jake has uh, a couple players he's going to highlight, and then I have a couple players I'm going to highlight as far as folks that we are breaking up with. We're cutting bait on them after this. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices 
and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, and we are back. So, Jake, you had kind of a, a short list, and then you called it down to um, a handful of names that you wanted to highlight. Uh, I'll turn it over to you to talk us through, you know, the players that you're cutting bait with and, and kind of why and, and your methodology overall. Yeah, for sure. Um, so first, I'll mention the player that I was going to talk about but decided against it because I went and looked and I was like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought. Uh, that's Gene Segura. Um, so uh, he's getting a little older, which is why I think it's easier to be quicker to pull the trigger. Um, but his profile is almost unchanged. Uh, the you know expected batting average, the approach, the he doesn't hit the ball hard, never really has. Um, it's almost exactly the same. A lot of the underlying numbers. I think the difference is that he's playing on a uh, much worse team in a much worse ballpark. Um, and then he just hasn't seen the kind of same results. The ball hasn't fallen quite the same as, as it has for him in the past. And so like a little bit of unluckiness combined with like just a worse situation. Um, now, I think that is like pause reason for concern for pause, but I also think he's not very highly ranked or regarded in Dynasty right now. And so um, for me, he's kind of like, a bench bat. He has second and third base eligibility now. In a daily league, it's not bad. Kind of plug him in when you need him. But um, I think we know who he is. Not a whole lot has changed except for the situation. And I think it's just kind of like hold until he's done because like he'll swipe you a bag. He'll now if you're in like a 12 team league, I think I would probably cut him. But like kind of the deeper leagues, I think a lot of dynasties are usually I think a little deeper. So I, I'm holding him in most of mine. I think I only have him in one or two dynasties, but. Um, so yeah, but he, I was going to talk about him, but I looked at it and I was like, ah, that's actually not horrible. So, um, but what I will start with is Graham Ashcraft and it breaks my heart because I loved <laughs> Graham, Graham Ashcraft because I was one of the people who was looking at him in the off season going, there has to be more, mm-hmm. please show us more because he's throwing a 97 mile per hour cutter, 97 mile per hour sinker, 86 mile per hour slider. It looks good. The movement is nasty. Why is it not happening? You know? Um, because he had in 105 innings pitch last year, he had a 4.9, 4.89 ERA, 1.42 WHIP, and a 15.3% strikeout rate. Um, and so there wasn't a lot in the results. But like I said, looking at what he actually throws, it's like, man, there, there should be more there, right? And and even in like the the models that I love to talk about in uh, in uh, the pitching plus model, he did an 89 stuff plus in like a 100 or so location plus and and the model was actually updated in the off season uh where they like they treat cutters differently and um i think because like before primarily based all the pitches off of the fastball and not the the cutter the sinker and now they're like including cutters and sinkers as primary pitches as well and like that combined with like work he also did in the off season skyrocketed his his stuff plus now it's at like a 128 129 it's like top five or six out of qualified pitchers this year and so 
it's like it happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so far he has a 2.1 ERA. Okay, like it's happening. Um, but he hasn't actually really improved on any of like the the stuff, all, any of the actual, like the, res- the results in the ERA are good, but the results in like the, um, like a, a general approach aren't great. Like it's a 19.5% strikeout rate, which is a bit of an increase, but still really w- below average. And he has doubled his walk rate. It's now at 12.2%. So we're talking about like a 7.3 KY to SBB. All of his ERA estimators are at least one and a half runs higher than his ERA. Um, I think his XERA is only 3.8, but then everything else is above a four. The FIP, XFIP, Sierra is like almost a five. Is uh, a 9.6% swing strike. And a um, his O swing hasn't really improved. It's actually gone down the chase rate. Uh still gives up a ton of contact. Now what he is good at doing is inducing soft contact and getting ground balls. But like we were just talking about, those aren't always the best pitchers. Like there's only so far you can get, especially since he's been super lucky so far. He's mm-hmm. allowed a 235 BABIP. And the other luck stats for pitchers that I like to reference, the left on base percentage and the home run to fly ball ratio, both of those are are also super in his favor. Um lost it on the page here but it was a da, 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 it was over 80th percentile on each of them um i can't find it now but so it's like he's been really lucky his results are better than they probably should be and while his stuff is seemingly improved while he has these really nice things he still isn't really getting the results that like you would expect from it outside of like some pretty soft contact so what i'm thinking is that if you have someone that's willing to buy a little high on them um, then I would absolutely do that. Like I didn't accept the offer, but someone sent me, which kind of sparked this whole thing for me, I think is that someone sent me an offer of CJ Crone for Ashcraft in the dynasty. Okay. And like, I, so I didn't take it because I, I also think Crone's kind of on the back end of downswing and, um, it, it just didn't really fit with like my roster. But if you can get someone similar, I would absolutely do it. Or even Crone, if you need a first baseman, if you need some power, if you um, are competing this year and like don't really care about what he does next year or the year after, like I would take that. If you can get around a top 150 asset, absolutely. Because he is, you know, been show like been having really good performances, but I'm not convinced that he'll be able to like be this good moving forward. Because like he just refuses to to miss bats and um so yeah so like it was someone who was like oh he he could get better that he did get better but it's not actually showing any of the like improvements and kind of like the underneath stats that that i'd like to see so um and i think it's also like a general like you when when the when you draft a team that's fantastic over the first month like it's you i think you still have to kind of like look because like i wasn't really going to look until someone sent me the offer and i was like man why would i want to get rid of him and i looked and i was like oh that's why okay yeah so sometimes it, even the breakouts can be like eh, you know, what's really happening well those just to go off topic a little bit those trades are always interesting though right because it's like oh okay that's why um, somebody's thinking i might trade him but then it's also like then why is this person wanting this player on their team it's always those weird things, like too, because like, okay, you're telling me that this guy's not that good based on the value of of whoever you're trying to offer, right? So you're offering me CJ Crone. Okay, cool. You're you're thinking that's going to be you know a a, a better uh, trade off, but then it's like, so what do you see that, that he's going to add to your team, right? Um, so those are always just interesting tra- uh, trades. I mean, he's so, still 
he's still young. Like he yeah. still could get better and could kind of like take that step forward and start missing bats. And like, cause like he has a, again, like the stuff plus is still is insane right now. It's like one twenty something. So it's just not out of the realm of possibility, but I think, you know, I'm starting to think that it, it might be a, like a steeper hill to climb than just like having a lights out, you know, cutter and, and sinker. So, and, and it, you know, we got to ask cause he's on Cincinnati. Like it, is Great American Ballpark playing a, a big role in this, in your opinion, or is this kind of like park agnostic a, a little bit as far as his performance or, or maybe lack thereof? So I think so far it's been park agnostic, but it can get ugly quick. That's kind of like the other, like the, it can happen like any one of his starts in in Great American Ballpark can just go awry very, very quickly. Um, because sometimes you get these guys and you're like, okay, like, I have some time to like to sell him, maybe shop him around. Like he looks really good. Um, it's going to be like a gradual, even if he gives up like yeah, three runs in five innings a couple times over the next month, that ERA can't creep up. His can blow up at any moment because of the ballpark that he plays in. Uh, and like, yeah, he doesn't allow a ton of fly balls, but all it takes is a couple of them. Like his home run to fly ball ratio right now is um, like super, super low. Um Again, where? Oh, here it is. 4.8%. That's ridiculous. That is 82nd percentile uh, as far as like on the low end. And so like all it takes is a couple homers to like scratch the fences out there. uh, And like it turns the tides pretty quickly. So um, I think Great American Ballpark can be the thing that kind of like catalyzes the the kind of downturn. And that's probably the most dangerous thing about him right now. So with Ashcraft, we're saying, where's our official verdict? We're breaking up with Ashcraft, but if he comes calling, we'll answer the call. If he texts you, hey, you up, you might say, <laughs> you might send him a response back. <laughs> I think if that, I think if that happens, it'll have to be like I in a, in a fifteen plus dynasty. Mm-hmm. If there's someone else that I need to pick up, if he's kind of the last one on my roster, I have no problem dropping him in like a deeper league right like that. Uh, in a 12 teamer, I, well, no, that should have been, that should have been an opposite In a 12 teamer. I have no problem dropping him. Awesome. Um, absolutely. And when it's 15 teamer, I'll probably shop him a little bit. Right. And then if that spot comes up and I have to make a tough decision, he's probably the likely one to go. Um, again, still try to see if there's anyone out there who sees the 2.1 ERA and it's like, Oh, I'll take a chance on that. Right. So I'm thinking if he does come calling, I'll have to answer it in my redraft leagues next year. You know, like, Let's say he is, I, I think he'll kind of be, it, I, it's too early to say what he'll be in ADP, but um, I think for me, it'll kind of be str- sprinkling in on some redraft teams. It's hard to commit to him in Dynasty right now and just let him work through it and hope that he takes the huge strides forward. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I It sucks because I've soured on him a little bit because I loved him in the offseason. Um, but it's like, if, if, he, if he had these gains and stuff plus, if he's repertoire's even gotten better, and he's gotten worse in some of like the areas like people aren't chasing, you know. So then it's kind of hard to see how he'll magically kind of like do that at some point. I think this is the off season where it's like, let's see if it happens. Yeah. And yeah, people have renaissances later in their careers. He's still, he's still pretty young. He's twenty five. So um, I'm not not putting anything by him, but um, I'm ready to like have the opportunity presented to me where it's like, all right, I think I have to to move on because it's not quite taking the step forward that I was hoping. Gotcha. 
So that's Ashcraft. You got one other person uh, that you had uh, kind of highlighted, and, and we mentioned him earlier from a defensive standpoint. But uh, speaking about him offensively, who's your second uh, person that you're cutting bait with? Yeah, the second person that I want to talk about a little bit is Taylor Ward. Um, and, you know, he was – I was surprised to go back and see that he was a first-round draft pick in 2015. He was drafted 26th overall uh, by the Angels. And then he kind of came up here and there. was a part-time player for, I think, the first, like, four or five years before last year when he kind of broke onto the scene and, and played really well. Then had the, the injury. I think it was a shoulder injury in, like, the middle of the year. Um, and then finished the year strong. And so like in the off season, he was like a, in redrafts, I think he was going like uh, as late as like 130, maybe early on and got up to like uh, the low 100s by the end of the, the draft season. And it was like, well, like he played well outside of when he was likely affected by the injury and he mm-hmm. hits the ball really well. He has a good approach. But the kind of tricky thing is about the the late career breakouts is that like it's hard to tell when it's legit because it's someone who, for whatever reason, didn't really have the success out of the gate and was like a part-time player and kind of forced his way through last year. But what was really there the whole time? You know, like like how much do you trust it? Because you have this huge, you have this really long history. I think in the case of Taylor Ward, it's, I mean, let's see, like almost 200 games in four seasons. 60, yeah, like 170, 180 games in four seasons of part-time playing time where like, he wasn't super great. He didn't hit a ton of homers. Looks like uh, 13 homers, um, pretty bad OBPs. And then you had this breakout. And so it's like a breakout at a 28 years old, looks like. And so you're like, I mean, yeah, he still is kind of in his athletic prime. But you look at his numbers this year, where I'm kind of getting at, and it looks like a lot of his bad ball data is kind of right back to where it was when he was a part-time player and maybe even a little lower. And so, I mean, the fact that it's lower is like, okay, like, it probably will bump up a little bit over the course of the year, but there's a real possibility that it kind of levels out where he was, but potentially just getting full-time at-bats. And the, the Angels have moved him down in the order. Uh, he's a 315 on base this year after a 360 last year. So he was leading off to start, but I think they've kind of kicked that to the curb, at least for now. And um, and then, yeah, just looking at his quality of, of batted balls, I mean, it's just, it's dropped off. Um, he His hard, hard, hard hit rate has dropped off. His uh, expected Woba on contact has plummeted. Expected batting average plummeted, um, and his his barrel rate is would be the looks like maybe the lowest of his career. Um, so it's kind of fallen off. I think he's going to kind of get back, but I don't think he's going to quite have that value of like a you know top one twenty five redraft pick and and in dynasty. I think I, what I'm looking for. I have him on I think two dynasty teams. What I'm looking for is to hit for him to hit like a hot streak of like a week or two and then try to sell him um, because he's, you know, going to get into his 30s pretty quickly. He's 29 this year. And I don't know. I don't see him sustaining it until he's like 33, 34. I think that like it's a late it's kind of a late career breakout. He'll have a great he had a great year last year, probably be solid this year. And then I don't really I'm not expecting too much after that. So I think when the first opportunity to sell comes up, I think I'm definitely going to try to take it. I think it's gonna take a while before I'd be able to drop him, mm-hmm. but I am shopping him if anyone is still interested. Yeah. So that that's uh Jake's just ask out to anybody interested. <laughs> no, but I think um it's interesting, right? So it it sounds like what you're saying is he just has like this really short window. 
because of his age um, and, and when things started kind of going his way versus what his hitter profile kind of tells us it might age into. He kind of has the short window of bringing like maximum value essentially uh, to your team before it's going yeah. to start snowballing the other way. Right. Cause like you, we changed expectation, you know, he was a first round pick and then he, um, you know, wasn't able to really secure a job as part-time player that changes expectations, especially over the course of four seasons. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's quick how it happens, right? Like last year after the first month or so, everyone was like, wow, like we're in on Taylor Ward. And then it was kind of a bumpy road the rest of the way. Um, but now I think coming off of that, it's you also have to be quick to change your expectations the other way because it's like one one season of good results, uh, kind of sporadic good results, isn't enough to change the four years prior where he was a part-time player and couldn't put it together because mm-hmm. now we're looking at his underlying, his better ball profile, and it looks kind of similar to what it was before that little breakout. So I think you just have to kind of adjust for someone who took so long to to get into the swing of it, you know? Cool. So that's uh, Jake's two players. So that's Graham Ashcraft, Taylor Ward. Uh, We're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back with my two uh, right after this break. All right. And we are back. Um, So the two players that I highlighted, um, I I had two pitchers and then I realized like one pitcher people probably had already made the break with and the other pitcher people probably weren't really that interested (laughs) And in the first place, so why even why even talk about this person? So I just went with two hitters. Um, the first hitter, and I'm I'm looking through, and it's it's interesting because I think my standpoint on this person is Trevor Larnack uh, of the Minnesota Twins, and I think my standpoint on Larnack, looking at his his pitcherless page and looking at POV data, um. It's not so much that there's anything super bad. In fact, if we look, um, and let me actually go back to the page. So if you look at like plate discipline numbers, you see some improvements actually from 2021 to now. Um, swing strike has decreased uh, pretty substantially now. Uh, so it was 17.1 when he started as a rookie in 2021. It's come down to 14.2%. Um, the O swing has come down as well, about 2%. Uh, from 2021 to now uh, contact rate actually is kind of some ebb and flow there it started high went low came back now it's sitting at almost 64 percent so not not great uh, well under league average but still improvements over time so you're seeing some things where you're like okay cool um and we can continue with the positive actually uh fly ball ev 91.6 so that's the highest of his career launch angle has stayed 14.1 so that's a degree higher but he's always been kind of like right at where you want a launch angle to be um the max ev has come down substantially uh so he had a max ev of 116 as a rookie he's come all the way down to 109.3 right now but we know a has dealt with some injuries in, in the short pro career or short major league career, I should say, um, has Larnack, uh, had the core, you know, uh, muscles injury last season, had a hand injury before that, that obviously is going to do some things to, um, you as a hitter overall, uh, but definitely from a power standpoint. So, you know, there could still be some noise within this as he's coming back healthy, maybe for the first time since he actually first debuted, but for me, I'm looking at the overall player and 
I'm not seeing a guy that I need to really go after in any capacity right now. What he's bringing is high OBP. He has almost like a two to one um, uh, strikeout to walk rate, uh, 33 Ks, 16 walks. So he's, he has a uh, 349 OBP. That's really nice. But outside of that, I mean, his av- he was never going to be a high average guy. I think expectations were for him to be maybe in the 250 realm. And it doesn't look like he's um, been able to put anything close to that. And then from a power standpoint, I mean, seven home runs, five home runs, three home runs uh, is where he's standing right now, 2023. Again, injuries obviously is going to, you know, be a culprit there, especially in 2022. Uh but even now, you know, he's back healthy from his surgery, been able to play every day-ish. Uh, of course, that's another aspect, too, is in Minnesota. They kind of have a revolving door when it comes to these corner outfielders that they have. But I'm just not seeing a guy, uh, you know, we we talked about, I mentioned uh, Joey Ortiz earlier, and I was saying, you know, in a, in a deep league, somebody that I always like to have because, there's they're going to be additive just from the standpoint of they're not taking doing anything to take away specifically from your team um but in a shallow league not somebody to go after that's not just for prospects right like that can be for uh, he's not a veteran but guys that have been in the major leagues for some seasons i can look at larnack and say okay if i'm constructing a lineup if I'm trying to make some trades, if I'm trying to get, maybe I'm kind of a middle of the back, uh, middle of the pack team, uh, especially if I'm in like head to head league, right? And I'm trying to figure out, okay, matchup wise, what can I do to kind of break out, have really established offense? Who's a guy I can go after that maybe isn't going to cost me an arm and a leg? You know, if I'm in an OBP league, okay, Larnack obviously is going to get a boost there. But other than that, again, as an outfielder, uh, what else is he going to bring to my team? No stolen bases. We know that's not going to be a part of his game, even with the <laughs> the new stolen base rules. Um, I'm not seeing extra base hits. I mean, six extra base hits total this season, three doubles, three the three home runs. So I, I just, I'm not seeing it from Lonak, and I'm not seeing anything to indicate like, oh, well, he's, you know, just been unlucky. I mean, his BABIP has been pretty um, stable. And actually, it's, it's interesting, you look at, uh, on this picture list page, his bad book this season is 333, which puts him 70th uh, percentiles above the league average. Um, which, you know, it's pretty substantially above the league average, obviously. Um, his expected bad book is actually way lower. Um, and all of his, all of his X stats are even lower than where he is right now. So um, average is, expected average is 208. Slugging is 357. Um, X Woba is three oh seven. Uh, X Babbitt is two eighty two, and like I said, he already had. I'm just, literally just going across the page here. Um, for his pitcher list profile, and we already talked about his max EV, um, and his fly ball EV. So again, I'm just not seeing anything here that I probably can't just find just with any other yeah. like, outfielder. Yeah. So right. I, I just, you know, that's, that's me on learning. I don't know, you know, Jake, am I missing something or, you know, is there anything? No, I mean, I think like, I think cause like he's gotten this opportunity this year, you know, cause like, I think looking at it the last couple of years, it was like, um, you know, he got a good chunk of, of plate appearances in 2021, he had a nine, he had a 300 plate appearances in 2021 for the twins, uh, 91 weighted runs created plus. And he had like the injuries last year, kind of been up and down, didn't get consistent playing time when he was up last year, you know, 
Um, had a 102 WRC plus last year. And it was like, man, if he can like stay healthy, if he can get consistent playing time, like he could kind of like take a step forward. And this year, like that's happened. He's been healthy. He's gotten consistent playing time. And he hasn't really shown a whole lot beyond what we've already seen. Uh, 113 WRC plus, which is a little better, but still not going to be a difference maker in, in the corner outfield. Uh, his approach hasn't gotten any better. He still strikes out 30% of the time. Uh, he walks a little bit more, but it's like pretty much par for the course for what we've seen um, at, with a decent walk rate. And so it's like, we, have, we just haven't seen it. I think like we thought it might happen. Um, and so it's like, yeah, he, like he's had his opportunity. He's had a solid month with good plate appearances. And like, this was the kind of like the year for him, I think, because with the twins, they have had, the the spots open i don't think they will even in the second half of this year they have some guys coming up they'll have royce lewis coming back from an injury kirilov is just about done with his um with with his uh what is it rehab assignment but then it's like he's also been kind of like iffy yeah and if nothing else they might give him some looks and that takes away from larnick but i don't think either one of them are the long-term solution um you know like farmers coming back from an injury gallo can play the corner at uh corner outfield julian is down in the minors walner is down in the minors um and so it's like i i don't think that opportunity will just be open for him for even the rest of this year so yeah i, I you mentioned Karloff and i started shaking my head because that's another thing and I, i'll admit there's you know some some sort of biasy you know thing going on I don't, I don't know what the scientific bias is for this but I, when i see it uh a team that kind of has a lot of similar guys um, in player profile and position and none of them are really doing it well. It's kind of like this, okay, if we could composite them together, maybe we had on the aggregate. Yeah. You know, it's it's, so it's like, Oh, we got like Matt Wolner and Kirilov Mm -hmm. and Larnack. And I mean, Kepler to an extent, He's, yeah. he's kind of moved into that position now. He didn't start there, but he's kind of moved there now. Listen, you position. don't have to have Jason Giamba. You just have to recreate him right. on the aggregate. Right, <laughs> on the aggregate. There you go. Exactly. You know, um, he gets on base. No, uh, so <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like Warner, you know, big power, strikes out too much. Larnack, um, some power, not enough just general contact ability. Kirilov power and contact if he can never stay healthy and now he has multiple wrist injuries and that always when the sap your power you can look at cabrian hayes because i'm pretty sure that that's almost exactly what's been going on with him um so it's just like after a while i start to kind of just lump them all together and just be like i'm not interested in any of them like just minnesota corner outfielders i just i'm out on just all together because they're all kind of the same person um or giving me if they're not the same person they're kind of all giving me the same sort of um production as far as this could work well if these other things fall in place but these other things never fall in place so then what's the point and i think i think you're right you know as they start to get healthier uh you mentioned Royce lewis um austin martin right like they still have to figure out what's going on with him if he's another guy if he's healthy and and can you know get to the major leagues they they got to start making room for him and they've been putting him more in the outfield so it's just like, yeah, I think they gave him, they gave Larnack, you know, kind of free reign. This is your spot. You're getting the everyday at bats or the majority of everyday at bats. Um, and yeah, I'm looking at his role in the chart, like his decision value uh, page for, for PLV. And it's above the major league average, but again, not in any sort of substantial way. Like the major league average for runs added per 100 pitch, looking at 
the decision value page and let me because I was looking at it versus righty. So all pitchers. So yeah, rolling three hundred seventy and it's you know major league average is around one point two runs at it and he's at pretty much one point four ish. You know, so it's, again, it, it's not bad, but it's not anything that I look at and say, yeah, I need to have him. Um, so, yeah, especially for a corner outfielder. I think the, yeah, there you the go. offensive production is just expected to be a little higher yeah. there. And I can, you know, in, in most leagues, until you start getting into like the really deep ones, you can pretty much like cast a, a wide enough net and find somebody on the on the wire that's going to do the same thing that you can add for free or for like a buck. And it's like, I don't need to trade, you know, an asset to go get Larnack for the same thing. So Larnack's one. Second person, uh, Lourdes Grio Jr. And I thought this was interesting. So let's jump into Lourdes and I'm going to actually go to his picture list page. And with Lourdes, obviously, he had a breakout season with Toronto. And looking at his pages is very interesting because he had high it would it would be like he has a high home run total one year and then it goes like kind of substantially down and then another year it went back up and then he goes to Arizona and it's kind of back down and so it's like okay when is it gonna when are we gonna get that like eighteen plus home run guy you know good plate discipline et cetera and I don't know that I'm seeing it so you look at his uh, page, nothing, uh, again, nothing immediately terrible um, just to go through what I was talking about. So 2018 with Toronto, he had 11 home runs. 2019, he had 20 home runs. 2020, obviously, shortened season, 11 home runs. 2021, 21 home runs, right? So we kind of see this ebb and flow, ebb and flow. Uh, and then uh, he has five home runs and almost 500 plate appearances with Toronto. That was like, okay. Yeah, like that's weird. And now he's Arizona. And Arizona, we talked about before, offense looking pretty good, winning some ball games, you know, having playing pretty aggressive on the base paths. You figure like Lourdes is going to kind of feast. He's going to be kind of right in the middle of this lineup, hit some home runs for you, making some good contact. He's going to get good RBI chances. And he has 12 runs scored. He has one home run. He has 12 RBIs, one stolen base. I mean, stolen bases were never really his thing. Um, and again, kind of similar to Larnack, you look at his page, K rate, 16.8. That's kind of, and he's continued to bring his K rate down through the years. So he had a high of 25% in 2019, and it's come down every season ever since. So 16.8, that's good. Um, walk rate, it's never been great. Again, his thing is more contact skills, right? So he doesn't walk a lot. It's 4%. Uh if you're in the batting average league, he's probably fine. He's at 274. If you're in an OBP league, he's at 307 for OBP. And when you look at, again, historically, OBP from 2019, you know, 327, 2019, uh, shortened season, 348, 319, 2021, 343 last season. So it was like, okay, we gave up all the home runs, but we got all this OBP. That's nice. Uh, but it's 307 now. So what's going on in that standpoint? So then I said, okay, cool. Let's jump into um, some more of the plate discipline, stat cast, like all, you know, all that sort of underlying details. Uh, Flyball EV is at an all-time low since 
uh, at least since PictureList has is, is been getting data on it, it's 85, essentially 85 uh, per, or miles an hour. Um, it's the EV, max EV, all-time low, 105.2. Uh, launch angle has pretty much stayed the same. It's 11.6, so a little bit higher, but you know, fit, uh, almost at the 50 percentile for uh, major league. So nothing substantial there, but just not hitting the ball that hard, not hitting fly balls that hard. Um, and then, so if we look at his rolling charts for decision value, and it's well under major league average, well under, it's in the 25th percentile is his pretty much where he's been actually a little bit under that, um, for this season. So, uh, if we, and we can look at any other, we can look at, you know, contact ability, we can choose whatever metric for POV that we want to, um, I was saying there's not enough swings for contactability. But if we go swing aggression, wait for that to upload. So if I go swing aggression and I can bring this down a little bit, it's kind of very similar, right? Like he's not going to be super aggressive. Um, he's not hitting the ball. And so his decision value isn't really that strong. And again, reminder, decision value piece. So that's looking at, you know, his decision to swing or take, um, just overall, right? And with the the runs value, the run value, I should say, is based on that decision. So it's well under. So again, he's just, he's not generating, you know, <laughs> anything run-wise in, a, in an offense that really I think we would expect him to to be able to do so. And so when I look at Lourdes Guriel, again, another outfielder, right? Maybe that's a coincidence, maybe not. I look and think, unless he starts getting hot in some way, shape, or form, um, whether it be home runs again or whether it be um, just generally making better contact, more contact and better contact um, to start driving in some runs in this offense, he's another guy that I can kind of look elsewhere and say I'll, I can find what he's given me very cheaply on, on the wire and in a deep, not even that deep league. I would say like 15-teamer, 14-15-teamer, I can probably cut bait with him as well. I might offer him just because the name brand might get somebody interested but if not then yeah i'm kind of in the spot that you were saying jake um with your guys like i can shop them around a little bit and then if worse comes to worse i'll cut bait and just pick up a, a similar type player for cheap yeah yeah like i do i do have him in a 12 team run right now he's like on my list as like the next to go if like you know <laughs> someone comes up like because you know like you said like you could find him likely somewhere else and, and now that i think the the competition is only going to get harder on the Diamondbacks mm. as they get better. Mm. Um, you know, like Corbin Carroll is obviously going to be there. Alec Thomas, I think, has cemented himself this year. He's been fantastic. I think he kind of, like, he came on strong and tailed off, and they had, like, McCarthy come up last year and, and take some spots away from him. But this year, I think he's, he's shown a kind of, like, the better asset long-term. And so it's like you got those two in the outfield, and then even Payman Smith is doing a little better. And, um, you know, and they, they don't have a ton – I think Kyle Lewis is on the aisle right now, but they don't have a ton behind him in the outfield, you know, but I think as they get better, I think they're going to start adding more and like free agency as well. Yeah. I think maybe that starts happening like this off season, yeah. uh, maybe I mean, next trade deadline or something, they start to be buyers yeah. and then they're competitive. And then how long can they put Lourdes Gurriel in the corner outfield? Right. Right. And then he, he you know, he's not going to be additive as a DH either because then they can start moving guys, you know, they, if they want to, if they want to keep their, them their lineup flexible, right? Then you want to 
you know, keep maybe some better bats at DH that you can move around. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. You mentioned the the adding part, right? They made the trade um, getting Guriel, getting Moreno. And so it's like, okay, and that, you know, Guriel, if we say that's neutral, Moreno's been additive. I think he's looked pretty good um, as a catcher. So, you know, if they start looking at making deals like that, I think the one the one caveat is outside of those handful of guys um, pitching-wise that we've talked about over and over again in their farm, they don't really have a whole lot. Like It's like Drew Jones and uh, not really a whole lot of other guys. Um, you you got uh, Devison De Los Santos. Um, you know, you got some other guys like a Blaze Alexander. I know it's, it's gotten some looks in, like, really deep dynasty. I don't know how um, interested, like, at a major league level teams are going to be. So the additive piece, I, I think that that might buy Guriel some time, so to speak, because they don't really have a whole lot of talent that's really on the come up to push him out but to your point um that can change you know if they want to be aggressive that can change very suddenly right right and i think if they are aggressive i think what they're going to do is try to upgrade the outfield yeah because like in the infield they have um i think they have like they have christian walker who's who's 32 but i think he'll be there until he just kind of goes away Mm -hmm. retires or whatever you know i think he's been great um and then they have like Cattell Marte, who's going to be there. Um, and um, Jordan Lawler is coming up as their shortstop. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Davis on De Los Santos. He's corner infield. Um, and then they have like Carroll and Thomas. And so I think where they could upgrade is like in like a corner outfield spot, um, maybe like a DH. And like I think they'll find a, another like a first baseman maybe a little later. And and so um, they have a good pitching. Maybe their bullpen is also well their upgrade. But, you know, I, I don't see Guriel kind of like being a huge piece for them if they make a deep playoff run in 2025. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm an idiot, by the way, for, for getting Jordan Lawler and saying that like, <laughs> everybody. Like, well, he's a shortstop. You know, yeah, he's... but but uh, but I, I was talking about the farm system, and so that's on me. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but, no, I, I think, yeah, you're, the roster composition, right, you look at what they have right now. So they, they're doing, like, a timeshare thing with shortstop with Perdomo and Nick Ahmed. That's not going to be permanent. So it's not going to be turn it over to Perdomo for real, for real, against lefties and, and trust him. Um, or just you're buying time until Lawler comes up and takes the thing from both of them. Uh, you got a timeshare thing kind of going uh, lefty-righty with Longoria and Josh Rojas at third. So that's going to have to, you know, you're going to have to figure out something there that's more permanent. Uh, Delo Santos looks like he's going to be a first baseman just by his profile, um, even though he's played some, I think, some left and some third. But I think his his body type and, again, defensively, you coming back to that topic again, um, is going to put him at first. So if Christian Walker does start to age rapidly, you know, decline rapidly, you're hoping that Delo Santos can kind of catch that right and you can boost him up so infield wise they kind of have some some you know mix and match parts it, they already cut bait with mccarthy so it's, it's kind of telling you like yeah they, they're not going to really waste time. I, I think they feel much better about their team yeah uh they're they're mob they're not going to let just guys go yeah they're not they're not going to yeah. keep bum garner throwing yeah, horrible exactly innings, you know exactly i think they're, I think they're going to be bad i think they're committed to be being better and yeah. competing so, and, and, no. and quite honestly what i just thought of is like guriel might be one of those people to go right is is if i'm trying to trade to upgrade like maybe actually trade an outfielder to get a better outfielder sort of thing like if i can package guriel with the right minor league player you know prospect yeah. 
they may even like a closer. Maybe they trade Guriel for, I don't know. I don't know. It's because it's weird because he's a little older. So um, I don't think he'd really go to like the Royals for Chapman or mm. even like the White Sox for Hendricks because like he doesn't really. Maybe it's a contending team that has too many pieces in the bullpen. Mm. Like the, nah, I'm losing it now. Maybe the Phillies mm. needed a corner. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I, I think that he could definitely catch a nice bull piece, bullpen piece for them because that's, I think, their huge, the huge kind of area of need right now. So yeah. Yeah, so Guriel, like I said, um, is my second person. Just Larnack and Guriel, and it, it, this may not be. Uh, I, I can imagine that there there might be some listeners out there that's like, yeah, those kind of seem very obvious, and and why would anybody be on them? But I think also they both carry their own bit of like name brand recognition. I think Guriel still has, uh, you know, some of that name brand recognition from his breakout in Toronto that might be you know carrying over. If you're in an uh, average league, I think if a team yeah. needs batting average, yeah. that would be a good spot where they would want to get it from. It's yeah. not like a Nick Madrigal where yep. there's like nothing there. Exactly. Now, there I, I think there's not a lot behind Gurio, but see, like I think in general, we think that he has more to offer than just batting average. Yep. And I think and on base, it's not been consistent enough to consider him a good on base guy, yep. but he has been consistent with the batting average. I think so if you're in a batting average league, it would be much easier to sell him. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, with Larnack kind of very similar, uh, you know, if you're in, uh, or not, not so much if you're in a bad average league, but just similar as far as, you know, some people may have already kind of come to the same conclusions, but I think he has some name recognition just from his time as a prospect. And I'm sure there's people that look and say, ah, you know, he was injured injuries, you know, he, he we haven't seen a full season from him fully healthy, which is true. Like that's the, I can't knock that but i'm i'm just not interested in waiting around to see what that's going to look like he is going to have to be like i he's a guy so i think of it this way there's guys that i want to be early on and there's guys i'm okay being late on and he's a guy i'm okay being late on if he's just like turns it around in the next month and a half and this episode ages poorly i'll eat that because i'm okay with thinking that that's probably not going to happen yeah yeah for sure all right, so uh, slightly shorter episode than what we've been giving you guys, but still, I think, chock full of good material. Um, before we get into, you know, the, the sign-off stuff, anything that's coming out, Jake, from you? Um, I know you got your regular column, right, your your stash column. Anything else outside of that? Um, no, outside of the stash column, uh, no, not right now. Just uh, kind of doing doing the same things, watching as many starts as possible bobby miller just made his triple a debut not debut but like mm-hmm. debut this season mm-hmm. uh season debut uh yesterday so saturday um looks solid 3.1 innings i think by the time this podcast comes out he'll probably pitch again on thursday maybe um so watching him kind of get built up. yeah 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 100 miles an hour coming out so yeah so watching him get built up i think that he could kind of make some noise there like we mentioned gavin stones of getting called up um but I think I've kind of I was I think higher on Miller than Stone than I was higher on Stone than Miller and now I think I'm back on on Miller um, and so like yeah that's fun but and I'll probably go back again I guess I don't know but I I, I don't know if Stone is going to be able to stick well enough and looking at their rotation I think that um, you know like I don't know if Syndergaard's really going to be able to stick there mm-hmm. for very long. Um, Gonsolin, I saw someone on Twitter say they might they could move him to the bullpen. Like so, I I, I like Miller to once he gets built up, I think he could get a shot at least in a spot start and see where that goes. There's so you mentioning Gonsolin just real quick. 
Um, I think about Gonsolin. I think about, and I'm not saying that these guys are the same pitching wise, like that they had the same stuff. Uh, so just go with me on this. But like, I think about Gonsolin. I think about uh, Clark Schmidt. Kind of talked about Fujinami. And there's certain guys that I just, I, I hear the teams being like, oh, we're going to move him here. Or like, maybe he's going to start or maybe he's going to do this. And I just think about Jabba Chamberlain. And I'm just like, if the Yankees had just kept the guy in the bullpen and just like make a decision, put him in the bullpen, he would have been a beast. Like instead of just like messing around with him, there's just certain players where it's just like make a call, stick with the call, let it be what it is. Right. Like if you're going to start Gonsolin, just start him. He has great stuff regardless, but like let him be what he's going to be and just leave him alone and just let the results be what they are. Instead of doing this, like, Oh, we'll let him go five innings. And then we're going to let him pitch two innings. Then we're going to let him go. It's like, no, just make a, make a decision. And I don't even mean that from a fantasy standpoint, just like as a watcher of baseball, just like, let, let them go, let them do their thing. Anyways. Um, Anyways. Yeah. 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 Just the starting pitchers, the stash and um, yeah, just that in this up and this, this podcast, cool. you know, Cool. Getting, in that, getting in the groove. Um, speaking of this podcast, we got exciting news. Uh, thanks Absolutely. to my my uh, intrepid, enterprising co-host, Jake May. <laughs> I- I'll turn it over to you, Jake, because this is your baby. So what do we yeah, have? Fair. All right. Well, um, so we have a brand new Twitter account coming out, you guys. Um, I think it'll be, I'm planning for it to be more active. Um, our last one was used by, you know, the people before us, and we're kind of making it our own now. And um, so it, it's at PL on the farm, uh, not on the farm PL. That's the old one on that's old news. Yeah. So PL for picture list PL on the farm yeah. uh, on Twitter. And so, yeah, so I think we're going to try to do some more stuff there. I think I want to, um, as I'm doing like the starting pictures, of stash article, maybe put some, some stuff out there of things that I'm seeing and also just like making sure that you guys get the, the episodes from consistent, uh, consistently there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I have not run a Twitter account for something else before <laughs> I do work in marketing, but not that kind of marketing. There you go. So, yeah, so you'll see, um, you'll see, we'll, we'll be able to kind of, um, share, share duties there. So, it doesn't have to fall on one person because that can be a lot. Uh, but exactly what Jake was saying, he, he you know put together have the official um, on the farm logo uh, again at PL on the farm. Uh, I think what can be done is is to make sure that all the new episodes will be tweeted out from there as well. So you have yet another uh, location to find all of our episodes um, and then engage with us as well. I think that's one thing that we've been looking for. Uh, we've been seeing some great uh numbers as far as listenership so you know it seems like you guys are out there paying attention to us which is uh unbelievable but it's awesome uh but engage with us uh on the new twitter account as well so if you have questions we will i really really would love to do a mailbag episode but we got to get the questions in order to do a mailbag episode so that is a place that you can send some questions that we can kind of collect and hold. if you disagree if you disagree with anything we, we said bring it up keep absolutely. it keep it civil but absolutely yeah. you know bring it up um so that's just another location for you to find us collectively uh and we'll make sure to uh to promote obviously per episode as well and on our own individual um twitter pages uh as always while we're talking about podcasts want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our picture list pods on the picture list network podcast page they're all available in the podcast section of picture list for you to find listen and subscribe you can find us on twitter at inside fastball and 
at Jake Mash, M-A-I-S-H. So, um, and obviously at PL on the farm. With that being said, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day.